0: Time to be in the hole. Hello, my name is Tom. Welcome to the hole.
1: Whoa, whoa. Call me off guard with that one, buddy. It's gross. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. Hi guys, I'm Justin, and hello, you at home. How do we sound in your ears right now? Yeah, how's it sound in everyone's ears? Hopefully really good, because I mean, uh, I, I kind of engineer this thing,
2: too. I don't know if you guys know that about me. Just flexing,
1: you know? <laughs> right off the bat. That's all right, because when we get to the end of this episode, i got to flex from hell for my old school choice. So flex, flex <laughs> away. Flex away, all right? I'm overcompensating. What? Oh, yeah, What's going on? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Speaking of overcompensating, how was your weekend? Oh, thank you
0: for asking. <laughs> so I, I went out to St. Vitus on Saturday... Sweet. We're ah. to go uh, hang out with our buddies in Malignancy.
1: Shout out to everyone
0: you just mentioned. Yeah. Good time. Good yep. time over there. I got this big-ass banner from oh, yeah. uh, the uh, interuterine cannibalism.
1: Disgusting. How's your girlfriend feel about that?
0: She thinks it's hilarious. Okay. She's got a
1: great sense of humor. And my <laughs> yeah. mom, not so much. Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. It's, your dog probably gets like, dog wants to eat that.
0: Yeah, the placenta pitch. bunch of
1: meat. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. How was the show?
0: Really good time. Oh, just fucking awesome.
1: That was at St. Vitus? Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, not the turnout I expected. Okay. Pathology played. But yeah, Vitus was a great time, as it always
1: is. Dynamite. Shout out to St. Vitus, as always.
3: Always uh, with the really nice shows on the weekends and during the week. Yeah, yes. Both times. Be available. Justin, <laughs> but, did you attend that show? I did not attend that show. No. Well, uh, man, I was just on my hands and knees, sanding the hardest wood floor uh, in the bathroom. guy. Okay. Every
1: weekend, man, you're always working. It's
3: going. I mean, listen. How is that bathroom coming? It's it, almost done. It is. I've. It's almost finished. I'm. A, you know, it's close. Close to finishing it, right? Well,
1: I'm gonna feel really weird about taking a dump in it one day, knowing <laughs> how much work you put in. Oh, yeah, man. It,
3: I cannot wait for that day because then I'll be done. Don't <laughs> worry about you know painting I don't know. and sanding and
1: painting. You might. I might have to really go, dude. He might not be done yet. <laughs> oh God! All right, before it descends into into a uh, toilet humor, where <laughs> it already has. Uh, so so working on the house man that's good though man. yeah n- care not, of not
3: too bad you know did some uh, reminiscing uh, on Friday night uh, good brother Gabe, turned 30 uh, brought, brought an old crew back together
1: and uh, from your old band uh, uh, allegedly never broke up uh, ultra guys right? yeah
3: yeah man uh, just you know look out for us on all social medias I was still still uh, okay.
1: trying to oh, ride that yeah. heavy whole wave yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ultra
3: guys never dead. Um, yeah. No. So, yeah, you know, I'm happy he made it, and uh, welcome to the club. His back hurts now, though.
1: A lot of, uh, lot of he recovery. He was helping you sand? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it just happens, turn 30, assuming the day yeah. after, it just blow well, back, starts hurting. Yeah. All yeah. the years of uh, drinking only white wine and collecting water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> white uh, wine. White.
0: Will, so uh, what's going on with you? Uh, you were out, uh... On a little bit of a tour, right? But like a, a baby didn't, tour?
1: Didn't drink any white wine this weekend at all. Um, God bless. Cool. I, I, I wonder if you could order white wine at the sidebar in Baltimore. That would be an interesting proposition. Shout out to um, all the staff, uh, everybody that works there at the sidebar in Baltimore. Shout out to Travis. Shout out to Hassan for booking the show. Ripping Headaches uh, Promotions. If you want to catch up with who that is, we did a whole episode where we interviewed uh, Hassan from Ripping Headaches, and um, he, he followed through. He booked Afterbirth. And vomit forth on this show down there. It was great. We played with uh, Path to War. We played with uh, Death Grave from California. Nice, nice guys uh, and a, a nice uh, lady. And uh, uh, played with um, Skullshitter from uh, Brooklyn. Man, nice New good York. Band. Good, good to drive all the way down to, to Baltimore and see some some Brooklyn boys. You know what I mean? Some New York guys hanging out. It was great. You make all the pizza jokes tomorrow, yeah, you want. Know? Yeah, yeah.
3: You, you have your friends there. Yeah, man. Ex-
1: exactly, man. And um, yeah, it, 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 that was that was a good time, man. That show went off crazy. Drove up to uh, the Meat Locker in New Jersey the next day. It was really hot out, and the Meat Locker runs those late shows. That's their thing. They start a little bit later, like uh, 10, 10 at night. I think they start the music. We got there at three in the afternoon, and yeah, it was, it was a little tough, man. Yeah, we, we didn't have there was wasn't much to do. It was really hot out, man. I think I sweat more than I ever sweat in my life that day, man. I smelled like a, a different type of mozzarella by the end of the day, but the show nice. is The Meat Locker, you know, shout out to uh, Mallory and um, and John and everyone else at the Meat Locker. They kind of saved our ass. Um, You know, the show in Philly got canceled uh, last minute. Uh, And uh, we, we played the Meat Locker. We played to some people. We sold some merch. We got paid. And uh, we got home a little bit quicker than we would have if we played Philly. So hey, shout out to everybody in Philly. We'll try to get Afterbirth down there. And the Long Island show last night. Shout out to everybody that was at the uh, the Ramset in Holbrook last night, man. That was a fucking crazy show. That was amazing, man. That was probably one of the best shows I've ever played in my whole life, man. Just from the vibe, man. You had the old school people there. You had the new school people there. there were p- people from like probably like from like eighteen to like I don't know. Probably dudes in their sixties there in suffocation shirts or something, man. You know what I mean? Old, old school Sundance dudes and shit, man. Shout out to you know everybody that was there. I can't even you know like if I name. I take up the whole podcast, man. But it was a great weekend for Afterbirth, and if you're listening to this podcast and you were there, I really appreciate it. You know, it was all awesome. great time, man. Like monumental for Afterbirth, and I did, uh, I, I did get a little testy with uh, with some of the Afterbirth guys, man. When I get on the road, as one of them put it, I get a little hot under the collar. You know, I, 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 I like to do this shit. Wow, cool. I get, I get passionate. Uh, yeah, I
2: mean,
1: you want to elaborate on any
3: steam that came out of your shirt?
1: Mm-hmm. And when I drive all day, and then I go to go to park and find the ideal parking spot in front of the meat locker, and that particular parking meter is broken, and then I got to drive all around the block trying to find a space, and then I get out of the car, you know, like anything's like, you tell me that my shirt's on backwards, I'm, I'm liable to swing on you, man. You know, it, it's it's and it's not your it's not your fault, man. You know, it's just, but um. Yeah, man. You know, when you're on the road there, you know, things get rough on the road, man. I was only on the road for three days. That was nothing, man. But, you know, when you lose a little bit of sleep and personalities clash, we're all passionate about this music. We want the show to go a certain way. The nature of that style of touring will test you. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, it was all handshakes and hugs at the end of the weekend. And last night, again, shout out to the whole Long Island death metal scene. They really held us down last night. So it was all gravy at the end of the day. But... I got to call Paul Blart the Mall Cop over with my segue because our guest this evening is someone who knows a lot about touring, a lot about band members and different relationships that interweave in in your band over the years and uh, how it gets on the road, and we're going to talk to him about it, right? Great. So uh, who is this gentleman that we're talking to? Rob Wharton from New Jersey's Cognitive. All right, they're uh, like a, a slamming, uh, grooving, technical death hybrid band. I don't want to box them in. This is one band. I always say on the podcast over and over again. I don't want to box you in. I don't want to box them in. But Cognitive, I really don't want to box in because they they hit you from a lot of different angles, and sometimes you don't even notice how it's going because they've gotten very good at weaving it in over the years. And we're gonna to talk to Rob about all that.
0: All right, let's get him on the
1: phone. Yeah, let me holler at this prick. <laughs> I'm controller!
4: rise and ring back tone while your party is reached yo
1: my bad you good? Uh, I'm good are you good? I, I mean I know I'm good me and my whole podcast team are good I just I just want to know if you guys are good down there in Jersey uh, good? we're good we just got hit with that, that storm are you good? I'm good. I was inside. I'm dry, bro. I'm good. I just oh. want to know about you and your man. Are your drums good? You your amps good? I'm nothing good. Got, I'm... Nothing, got, nothing got wet, right? Nah, chill, Got Chill. I, I heard nothing gets wet at your shows anyway. Oh! Yeah, it's dust
4: metal. What did you expect? Yo. Allegedly.
1: All right. Yo, let, yo, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. We, we're recording this. We're going to put it out, Rob. This isn't like one of our personal conversations where we just talk shit and book a show for an hour, all right? Okay, I got it. All right, Rob. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to get professional now. This is the Heavy Hole Podcast. Let me introduce you. I don't know if you met these guys in person. Uh have you, have you this is Tom over here.
0: What's up, Rob? Yeah, what's going on, Tom? It's chilling, man. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, of course. This is Jay Wall over here, Big Justin. Uh, hey, Rob with Justin. What's up, Justin? Yo,
3: yeah. Yo, get <laughs> over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, cuz cuz Justin's always giving me shit, man. That's why my... <laughs> Yeah, I fuck with yeah. that. Yeah, all right. All right. All right all right man all
3: right well keep going
1: all right all right all right all right so so rob man uh as i always say we respect you i don't respect your time man all right man all right we gotta settle this down yeah we gotta start from the top again (laughs) yeah rob wharton of cognitive man um rob you're kind of like the uh you know the 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 heart and soul uh soldier of uh cognitive keep keeping it going really um through the years through a lot of lineup changes and i guess kind of guiding the path that's fair to say right man it's totally fair to say. Take the take the props, man. I don't give them often, man. No, no, thank um, you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what people might not realize is, before Cognitive, you were actually uh, in Waking the Cadaver. You were on their album Beyond Cops, Beyond God, right? Yes. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, uh, about that, man, or, or, or like maybe, um, like how you got into music in the first place, and, and relating to like, uh, was that your first band or? No, oh, no, no.
4: Um... Dude, I, I I I gotta admit, um, the original guitar player for Cognitive, like my parents grew up with. His parents went to high school, and like he's the one that started showing me death metal when I was like really little. And I was like, oh man, I want to be in a band. Like that's so cool. Like I want to be famous. And like obviously that doesn't happen. But <laughs> but yeah, he was like he started showing me death and Cannibal Corpse and all. And then I met my buddy Mike Mayo when I was like maybe seventeen. And I had like a really bad, I was trying to be like Dillinger Escape plan back in the day, but I failed like horribly at it. But, to I met, do. <laughs> but then I met Mayo and we started doing like, we were trying to be technical death metal and we were idiots at the time and didn't know what we were doing. But, you know, me and him stuck together being friends for so long. It was just like me and him were always in bands together. And, you know, we just got better and better at our instruments. And then, you know, sometimes we'd be in bands together and sometimes it wasn't. And then here I am. <laughs> It's pretty much the story like literally it was like 10 years of me and him just jamming together
1: yeah yeah i get the impression it's kind of like a little uh, extended scene and when you said um the guy that got you into death mode you're talking about jake yeah yeah jake um he and he was uh on your what the first uh the first ep and the first two albums or so no, the he, first the, the first
4: album yeah yeah, the first album with the self-title and he was on the hard swarm and all
3: right. yeah
1: he was all the one right, that so got me into all that shit so backing up before that, man, I got a little off key, man. We started off a little rowdy. You're from New Jersey, of course, right? Born and raised. Now, I, I, you, you know, you were very hospitable. You put an artificial brain up at your house, man. You know, and and it's not maybe what people typically think of New Jersey, man. Do you want to maybe like like quell uh, any any uh, any misconceptions about New Jersey or well, anything like th- that?
4: There's there's not in the quell because we are the best state out there, and we've got <laughs> and we've got the best city, which is Philly, right next door to us, and everyone thinks it's all nasty, you know, because everyone makes the joke about it being, like, the armpit of America, which I didn't realize like, how, like, fucking just industrialized North Jersey was so I got older and started going up that way and I was like, oh, now I get all the jokes you know, about, like, oh man, it's you know, it's not the factories up there because where I grew up with, it was nothing but, like, you go to the shore or you live in the fucking Pine Barrens. So, like, for me, like, we've got yards and you know, neighbors that live, like, Far away. So, like, to me, I didn't realize until I got older, like, how just like Jersey, like South Jersey versus North Jersey, just the difference.
0: Well, if that's an armpit, put me in there.
3: Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it was all from the perspective of New York. You know what I mean? So, um, you well, got to reckon, the you gotta reckon never, with that.
0: Like, I never we set the perspective that,
4: Yeah, I never realized. That, and, and it was crazy because, like, as I started getting older, I started meeting these people from Northern Jersey and they they were talking about venues I never heard of. And then, like, it was like, well, you go to New York City for shows? Like, we go to Philly. you never realized, you know what I mean? Because, like, for yeah, us, yeah. there was no reason to go up there because we had Philly
1: all of our time to go yeah, right that, there. That, that, that's something I never realized until Artificial Brains started playing shows that you had booked and um, started playing Philly a lot was that the South Jersey scene is more synonymous with Philly, and the North Jersey scene has a lot of New York people coming in and out and stuff like that.
4: Well, yeah, because, like, you got to figure most of the people down in South Jersey drive, because we have to drive, and there's, yeah. you know, so we drive to Philly, and, you know, every once in a while you'll get lucky, and if there is a show in South Jersey, you know, fingers crossed people will still find a way to go, because there is, like, trains, but, like, <laughs> it's still hard to get to a venue from the train lines unless it's, like, specific venues that are, like, maybe you can take a taxi to.
1: Yeah, and uh, speaking of which, we'll talk about that. You you booked the uh, South Jersey Death Fest, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? How how many years running has it been now?
4: I think I just I last year the one that just passed was seven, I think.
1: Seven. And and who, he, uh,
4: who who headlined last year? Who was it last
1: year? I'm trying to fucking remember. <laughs>
4: I, who who did headline? I, was it you guys? Was it Afterbirth? Headlined? I don't remember.
1: The, did we I, end up headlining? Uh, did, didn't the drop I think yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, so I think you guys did end up head- oh, man, I don't even friggin' remember
1: Yeah, no. well, so the, well, no, we what didn't headline it? the headline drop. Okay. Yeah, well, I, but, yeah, well, but I mean, like, like
4: before that, you know, it was like revocation, ion dissonance.
1: Yeah, you put you know, all some, that you, crazy shit. You've booked some um, some bigger bands for South Jersey, man. I mean, is it fair to say that a lot of bands might just go Philly and skip South Jersey and go up by, like, North Jersey or New York City? Of
4: course, and I don't blame them, you know what I mean? And, like, as I've stepped back a little bit from booking shows where it's either, like, something I really want to invest in or it's, like, a favor for somebody, like, it's easier to just throw a show in Philly because you get the walk-up traffic. There's more people there in a smaller area, you know what I mean? And I re- realized that as I got older. I was like, dude, you know, it's easier for me to just do it in
1: Philly. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, growing up, you're going to shows maybe more in Philly, and you're not you're not even you know really realizing what's in North Jersey, man. You got your you got Jake, you got Mike Mayo. You're jamming around. Um, I mean, it looks like I mean you know, Waking the Cadaver obviously is in people's uh, algorithms nowadays. They they got the reunion thing going on and everything, and you're on that one album, and it looks like you leave the band and kind of start Cognitive Right Up, right?
4: Yeah, I, I started it when I was in the band, and I was just like I wasn't happy. In the band okay like yeah. mike you know i love mike and don's cool as hell but like i was just like dude this isn't for me I, you know i miss playing technical stuff like i just wasn't into it my heart yeah. wasn't into it And i wasn't gonna drag pretend that i was in the that i wasn't into
1: yeah and as you said big shout to those guys uh you know good good dudes man that i know and i yeah i just want to establish that sometimes it's different strokes you got to go with your heart i've quit bands been you know like asked to leave bands and i'm still friends with the people it's all handshakes and hugs and shows oh yeah yeah yeah. no i see mike and don
4: all the time i love them to death it's just for me i was just like dude like this isn't what i really want to play this isn't what i want to do and i was glad because i got to do some cool tours but it wasn't
3: i I gotta ask how the how the whole shredded wheat thing hit your band.
4: oh that was way before i even oh was it yeah that was way before me but like if you think about it that was like the first viral meme if you really think about it like that thing's i think it's got like over two million views or
3: something now it was hilarious yeah i know a lot no, of people it was, that, like, it was, that was their introduction to the whole genre
4: you know? yeah totally totally there were so many kids and like now they're doing the reunion shows people are like dude i never thought i was going to see it because you know i heard of you guys when i was really young and i was you know some of these people were too young to go to shows yeah, but they pioneer, you know they were hearing
1: it pioneers
4: of memeing slam I mean that work was done all before I had even joined. You know what I mean? Like
1: that was already done. <laughs> uh, did did, I, did you play a lot of shows with them?
4: We did. I did a full U.S. tour, a Canadian tour, and I did a European tour with them.
1: Wow. And that was it. I mean, you say that was it? Like that's a small feat. You no, know, no, 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 no. no I mean, you know that that's an American tour, a Canadian tour, and a European tour is yeah, like I mean, you know. Once I do that, I'm retiring. Once I check yeah, off. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you better step it up. You better. You better. Sh-
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, man. Um, so I like. What do you like? Come out. Come out of that experience with a hunger because you, you've seen all these places. You played all these shows. You, you basically did. You know the full run most people want to do uh, of, of touring. What do you say? Like now, I want to take charge and, and make my own. I band did it where and-
4: I was like I wanted to deal with the music. I wanted to play, and okay, I was like okay. I want to take it as far as I can, and. You know, I grabbed the my. You know, I grabbed Jake. I grabbed Mike. You know, Mike Castro, mm-hmm. fucking the legendary drummer from Jersey. Like he was the yeah, man, definitely. and like yeah. you know, him. and we, yeah, we did all this fucking sick shit, and like we never expected it to even catch on. You know, I mean, you know, we're far from fucking cannibal corpse and shit, but like when we put out that EP, like everyone was like, Oh, this is awesome! This is awesome!" And it was like, cool. Like, okay, well maybe we'll do a full eight, guys, that'd be cool, pretty cool. And then it was like, you know, maybe we should keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I, I mean, and you and you did keep doing this, man, uh, in spite of, like, a lot of hardships. Now, we're going to get into some of the lineup changes that have taken place over the years and the idea of, uh, you know, ha- having fill-in people for tours and stuff and just keeping it moving, but what are some of the, like, take me back to when you first uh, got the idea for Cognitive and you're getting it together, man, like... People might not even realize now because you're you're always out there touring. You got a new tour announced every other day. <laughs> uh, you you do the you do the the playthroughs. You do the interviews. You guys are out there like a professional working band. Take us back to when Cognitive was like your demo level band and some of the important steps you feel you took that that um that got you you know where you are now and why some bands never leave their hometown because they maybe don't do certain. Oh things. man! So I remember when when I got the members and we were like, all
4: right, let's get some songs written. And I was like, there's no point. And because like my guitar player at the time, Jake, he had his own little studio and he was like, oh, I can record it. I can record it myself. And I said, no, 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 no. We're going to a real studio. We're going to Full Force. Strong Island represent Joe Sincata. Shout out to Joe. And I was like, we're going to him. He does, We're going to go there. We're not sitting here tweaking it ourselves and taking it forever. So we're going to go there and we're going to record it. It's going to sound good. But we're going to have someone else do it and we're going to pay the money. Because I'm a grown up now, I'm not, you know, scrounging for pennies to be able to pay for
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah. Shots fired, shots fired. I had all these bedroom recording guys.
4: <laughs> no, no, it's not that, but, like, remember when you were 17, you were like, oh, man, he's going to do it for 200 bucks. Then, you know, you look back, you're like, yeah. man, I wish I would have spent 400
1: at least. <laughs> but, no, in all, seri- in all seriousness, you're right, though, you get what you pay for, and I tell a lot of people uh maybe instead of like, like you know we always, we always talk about the, the guys that sell the tickets just to get on the show or whatever man or you know other, other things you do just save the money and get a good recording you know yeah. and get some merch going
4: so we did that
1: and you know we were like all right well we
4: gotta save up you know let's put the money away while we're recording to you know get it all printed ourselves you know real cds you know went to disc makers and we were like all right let's put it out and you know, let's play some shows and then it was okay well we're you know we got offered to go play up in new york city oh okay we got offered to go play in maryland you know we were just playing around the area philly in here and it would be you know i gotta give him credit gutter was asking us to play really cool shows because he's my friend mm-hmm. you know it's cool when you got friends that can help you do stuff and we were definitely blessed with that
1: yeah and That's then it was great. like
4: hey let's just do a weekend or i can get us to go up to you know upstate New York for a weekend or it was hey let's go down to like Virginia and back and you know I just kept making friends and it was just communicating and then I was like dude I could throw shows myself and I know these bands and like I can get them to come for the area and it would be cool because why not
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and at the time and
4: at the time it was limited in our area with what was going on as far as like you either had really big shows but you didn't have dysentery coming to South Jersey or Philly really and stuff like that. And, you know, I kept doing that and trying to help bands out. And I realized how much I could help bands while helping. You know, I didn't even realize how much I was like helping just the community in a way, because then there was, you know, that's how I met you. You were like, hey, man, we got told that, you know, you book shows and everyone keeps bringing your name up like, hey, can you help us? artificial brain when you went out to Ohio, like I didn't realize like how much people were actually saying, yo, go to Rob. He'll take care of it. And it was cool because there was times I like um cattle decap when they uh dropped off that six feet under tour and they were waiting for the fetus tour to start (laughs) they were stranded on the east coast for a couple days and i was like yo i can throw you a philly show and i'll give you whatever i can off you know whatever's going on it's last minute
1: but it's something and you know i've been able to be friends with them guys since yeah make making connections and networking um you're you're an animal like that man (laughs) in in all honesty man i think you know that right
4: well you know i'd be lying through my teeth if i didn't say i didn't like going to talk to people and meet people but like it's with good intentions of i want to yo this band could use this and like i might be able to help them do that and it's not like everyone needs advice
1: absolutely man and i say that with all due respect i mean um a lot of people I, i whether it's an attitude or maybe just shyness you go to a show you play with a band and um People don't get to know one another, man, but even, you know, when, when you when you reach out and you get to know people and you get to know promoters and even the people who work at the club, uh, I've even heard of situations where you get to know the owner of the club, the bartenders, the security, and they tell you this promoter's whack, but we can set you up for the better guy when you come through town. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, then,
4: that's because the, they're the venues that care. Like you said, yeah, the bar is yeah. like dude you know what I know that this guy will throw a show because the bar knows because they're like hey our bar was weak that night and it was only our regulars in there or they chased the regulars out and we didn't make any money and the bar's like but this guy busts his ass I'm not going to waste your time and that's awesome that some of the venues and the bars care that much
1: yeah, just a quick handshake and introducing yourself to, to anyone who's working that night, you know, as if, you know, you're you're on a job with them. Because, you know, you got to treat it professionally. And it's like when I go to work, if there's somebody new at work or i got to go to a new building for my day job and there's somebody I don't know, I introduce myself. I, I explain who I am and why I'm there. Well, you know, you know what it's what, like you
4: know? even from when you were, you know, trying to do shit on Long Island sometimes. You're like, dude, like, mm-hmm. I know what I've got to do and I know who I'm going to talk to and blah, blah, blah. Because you're like, you've been doing it long enough.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, man. So that's that's all I'm getting at is that you can't be shy um, when you're in a band and you're trying to make some moves, but uh, you got to you know got to know the right ways to be respectful and go about it. And, um, you know, was something I was just, that was on my mind too, is even like the sound guy. You know, when the sound guy's setting up and, and you notice he's got a second, just introduce, hey, what's up? I'm Will. I'm in the next band. Thanks for your help. That can go a long way in, in ways you don't even realize during your set. Oh, that hell guy, yeah. You know?
4: and, and, you know, dude, people are people and sometimes they get moody. And, you know, it's better to be, definitely with the sound guy, it's better to be on his good side than yeah, his bad side. <laughs>
1: always, always respect the sound engineers out oh, there. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a hot tip of the day, man. But,
4: you know, we, we did all that shit and then it was became, hey, let's start touring longer and longer. And then it became to the point where we were like, hey, man, like, people really want to see us. And this is where we really started running up into some of the lineup changes was, hey, we got to really start putting money in and not making it right now to be able to do some of these longer tours. And it became bigger risks because it was like, hey, we're going out on our, you know, full 30-day tour now. You know what I mean? And that was when the lineup changes started because it was, you know, some people didn't want to risk the money or couldn't risk it. You know, we're grown-ass men. I get it. You know what I mean? And it's the normal stuff that anyone at our level really deals with. From that point, when we were on the the first full-length record to now, and that's three CDs now, you know, that's the hard part when you're going from, like, make you know when you're making 100 150 a night up in, you know to me i think it's easier once you start making you know seven eight hundred dollars a night it's a little bit easier to start making shit happen but that gap in between there's hard for people to, and especially and you know this will now at the point we are how busy we are because we've made the decision to be a full-time band and that's why we do the fill-ins now because not everyone can always afford to miss the work mm-hmm. and it sucks yeah. you know doing the fill-in, And i'm thankful we we'll are able to do it because it benefits the guys that are sitting home you know what i mean because when they get to hop back in to see, oh cool you know we've we've got the work and i can do this one though now
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah well i mean with artificial brain we've used a number of session people on pretty much every instrument now at least once um you know there, there's been fill-in vocalists uh, for me in canada and th- you know that that's that's a, that's well known and um uh, it, it does. It helps the band, and even, you know, you might come through, you know, like, oh, last time we were in Philly, I wasn't here, but now there's all these people that know about us, man. It's, it, the band becomes more like a team in that in that element, in that, you know, you do what's best for the team. I remember, um, you know, uh, rest in peace to Bill Tolley. I remember around that time when Chris Prevelis, uh you know, came out and said that they were going to keep Internal Bleeding going, and that's what Bill wished. Uh, you know, they express that sentiment that this is like a team and, what you know, whatever you got to do is, is best for the band, you know what I mean? And it's 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 more about flying that banner of your band than it is about any one member. So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what you're speaking to, you know?
4: Yeah, I remember when we were on, uh, it was our second full US tour my dad had the heart attack and I raced home and we missed the uh, third show. We were supposed to play in Virginia and everyone was like, yeah, why don't we cancel it? Wait at your house, see what's going on. And I was like, listen, if I've got to stay or something, God forbid, happens, you guys got to finish the tour. And like, they're like, dude, we can't do it without you. Like, you're, it's, it's you. Like, you got to be there. You've never missed anything. I was like, dude, I don't care. You got to do it. I'll fly out and meet you whenever I know what's going on. And, you know, thank God he was OK. And we only missed the one show. And then we just, you know, headed out. What was it, two days later or a day later to, you know, start the tour again?
1: Yes, yeah, shout to your dad, by the way, and um. <laughs> and that, the BLTs. Yeah, the BLT man, <laughs> that he got me, got me with that nice BLT in the Tupperware, man. Yeah,
3: makes a good BLT, I hear. Yeah.
1: Every, every time I buy a new pair of New Balances uh, or uh, Nike Air Monarchs, I think of your dad. Man.
4: Well, he don't <laughs> tell him that they're too expensive for him, man. If he can't get <laughs> them
1: at Walmart, he don't want them. Uh, <laughs> now I know what I'm sending him for Christmas. For yeah. Oh, don't tell him. All <laughs> right, man. All right. What? What's that?
4: No, I was just going to say, but like, you know, you know, sometimes you got to keep it going. And, you know, like you said, like people like Chris that were like, dude, you know, God forbid, dude, he lost not just his bandmate, but one of his best friends. And he was like, yeah. OK, yeah. I still got to keep the band going. And like, you know, that's hard. It's hard to do. And I respect the fuck out of it because, like, there's other bands out there. You know, what I mean, you got bands like archaic, you know, there's there's only one original guy. It's the singer, but he keeps it going and busts his ass because same thing, you know, until you get to a certain point it's really hard to justify being on the road all the time
1: yeah and we've actually talked if the viewers want to reference the um the ping part two episode uh we talked in depth about defeated sanity and how the drummer lily started that band with his father on guitar and has kept the band going since his father passed away uh and that that also is a very similar story to what you're talking about i mean in a way it makes it adds a lot more depth to the band it makes it a lot more personal because you're keeping it going as a tribute in a way.
4: Right, right. And I mean, dude, like you said, it's his father, dude. And yeah. that's one yeah. of my favorite bands. I love Defeated Sammy. But like, you know, some people are like, oh, this band can't keep members. And it's like, they're the people, you know, that don't understand what it's really like to be in a, a van for 33 days, you know, 40 days at a shot, sweating, going, damn, we got to have pizza again because it's cheap and can feed all of us for the cheapest price. And... You know, we didn't sell much merch tonight, and we only got paid this much, and I missed, you know, 30-something days, 40-something days of work, and now I'm only going to be home for a month and a half, and now I've got to do it again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, and, well, here's here's another thing. While we're still on this topic, I know something that your band um, does and kind of, like, schooled me to, or at least, you know, like, shifted my perspective on taking time off of work. You guys will, like, go on a two-week tour... And if it hits the New Jersey, Philly, New York area, you guys will actually, like, go back to work for a day or two and then play the show if you can just to save the vacation time, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So how's that? that's got to be exhausting, man, to just go out of tour mode for a day and then come back or something. It's fucking brutal.
4: You know what I mean? But, like, you know, there's been times, like you said, like, hey, okay, we're playing Virginia, then the next show's in Delaware. Well, we're going to drive home for Virginia. Everyone can go to work, drive down to Delaware, go to sleep, go to work the next day. And then after work, you know, maybe just leave work an hour early and drive to New York to play that show and then keep going. Like, you know, if you do that enough times, you know, that's that's at least a weekend that you could be putting, hey, man, I'm going to use these two days to do this weekender with the band. And like for us, like even a weekender could, you know, put money in the band fund and help pay for
1: plane tickets or something. That's nuts. I, <laughs> I just, I, let's take a second for for anyone who, uh, you know, like, does, is wondering why their band that like you know never plays out and uh, um, you know takes apart the whole uh, drum rack on stage uh, for like a half hour after their set while during changeover. <laughs> if they're when they're wondering why they're not on these big package stores that Cognitive is playing, let that sink in. That that way of thinking, uh, that thrift, thrifty way of thinking, man. And then also like when you're we've, we've talked before about these package tours if the listeners are curious we did a whole tour episode and we did another episode with Chris and um, Kennedy from Pyrexia talking about touring uh, but you get on these bigger package tours sometimes a buyout which is where each member of the band usually gets about ten dollars to go buy dinner if the venue isn't supplying food so I assume you guys have done the whole like you pool that money too when you go to the dollar store or something right
4: oh yeah yeah it's normally hey man it's either it could, it's either two things happen it's either hey man we got out tonight, and we haven't had it in a while, so let's just, you know, buy a pizza, and it'll feed everyone. And we try to find, like, we don't do the Domino's thing unless we have to. We try to find, like, you know, the closest thing to Jersey or Philly pizza ever because it's the best pizza on the planet.
1: Oh, All right, right, right. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> We're not going to get – we don't talk politics on the podcast. <laughs> no, That's right, right. is, is a hot not This is
0: not a fiction podcast. <laughs> but
1: Oh, oh. bing bong.
4: But <laughs> – yeah, you know, sometimes it's just, hey, I put it in the band fund, everyone go get whatever you want to eat, because in the end, if I put it in in the box, it's still getting split up at the end anyway, so it evens out. You know, unless somebody's like, oh, I don't have money right now, I'm waiting for my paycheck to come in. All right, go grab whatever you need. But, you know, there's been times where we just get to buy out, and it's like, hey, I'll just throw it in the box, and everyone figure it out.
1: Yeah, and when you say a full-time band, does that mean that all members are comfortably pay- paying their bills off of Cognitive now? No. <laughs> Really? So, no, no. but I'm so talking all, full-time schedule. So all these people in the comments section on social media are wrong, and you guys aren't just, like, millionaires and stuff? Oh, my That's God. It's crazy. <laughs> dude, there's so many people that are very misinformed about the um, the economics of underground death metal.
4: Yeah, dude, and I think, and I'll say this, too. I think it's crazy at the same time that people don't think there's money in it. I think there's a well, balance of it where you have to go, okay. You know, do I got to either? I've either. You get lucky enough where you just pop off, and dude, that's that's so sick that fucking bands do that. Then there's bands that busted their fucking ass to do it, and that's fucking sick as fuck. And then you got the bands that never caught on until later, and now everyone wants to see them, and they're in a position to go, okay, well now people want to see us, we can ask big bucks. And I think it sucks that sometimes these bands get slept on until it's too late. But when you when you get to a point. But, you know, even when you're making 300 bucks a night, you know, obviously you have, you know, your your merch bills and the gas bills and your tolls. But, like, I say, and, and, Will, you've been there with us. You know how we are. You don't got to get a hotel every night. You don't got <laughs> Yo, for us, yeah. we don't have, the you know, we don't have the trailer. We have the the, the rack on the back that we don't got to pay for tolls. Like, you see, like, how many corners we cut to be able to do it. And even if we can't pay our bills off of it, it's not something where, like at the end of tour we could split up the money and like you know people could pay their rent maybe not their rent their food their electric this and that but they can come home and go i paid my rent
1: uh, you and know a, and enough to have like another like a uh, to, to a lot of basically hustles on the side you know right. which like a lot of touring musicians do man. right yeah and um i mean th- th- there's a lot to get into with this man because i know you guys are like the tour dogs and i know how you operate I mean, you brought up uh, the lack of the trailer because when you go on tour and you have a van and a trailer, that trailer is going to add a lot of money onto tolls, as you said. How oh, it uh, does and the, that. And the and gas. It, it, you wear and tear on your motor, which you, now you got to fix it more. Parking. Um
4: it's
0: so fun to park, though. Yeah. So fun. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <sighs> Especially in New York City. Oh, my God, man. Parking I hate the van it. I hate it. And yeah, there's a lot of reasons, man. It just, you know, it could be dangerous with a more uh, inexperienced driver. It's something else that can break.
4: It's something else that can break. It only takes a Baron to go bad or an axle, and now you're going, okay, now we gotta find some place that can fix the trailer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the
0: less moving parts, the better.
1: Right. So, um, with that in mind, now. Uh, I've seen the, I, I guess it's more of a bus that you tour in. It's like it's like one of those uh, small, shorter buses, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, the
4: the, the bus that rhymes, as we call it. <laughs>
1: oh, amazing. <laughs> That's better. Yeah, I'm not going to take the easy route and make the short bus joke. Okay?
4: No, um, but we are. But the, it, dude, you're going to break your heart while we're on the podcast. It's uh, going up for
3: sale. We're
4: upgrading. Oh, wow.
1: You heard it first on yeah. the Heavy Hole. All right. Yeah. Okay, man. You
3: email your office to Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> 10% off right there.
3: <laughs> uh, promo code heavyhole. Like cr- <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> nah, but, dude, I, you know, you, yeah, we, we've got the, it's a 15-passenger van just with the bus body on it. And, you know, we've got the bunks in there, the inverter, you know, where it turns the power on, where, we, you know, we could charge anything. We've got the microwave in there. You know, we bring a charcoal grill with us, we can cook on the road, and then we got the bunk beds and everything, you know, toolbox in there, and we fit all of our gear in there, we all sleep in there, and we don't got to pull the trailer, and that was one of the greatest things ever, I mean, we don't got AC in there, and that's one of the reasons we're upgrading, but, but,
3: but no. No, dude, dude we well, take gotta, care you of you that. You gotta be fancy. You gotta be fancy now. You gotta get the AC. Now. Well, no, you
4: want to know what it was. So we just did a tour in someone else's Sprinter van and the guys from Wormhole let us use it because they helped fill in, shout out to Wormhole. But, dude, it was awesome. It, was, it drove smoothly. We, no, we never broke the whole trip. That's like probably the first tour we had that happen. <laughs> so everything was cool and it had AC and everything and we were so excited and we were so grateful that they took care of us as far as like charging us for it. It was so fucking sick. And we were like, oh, man, we're going to bed tonight. Fuck yeah. And we didn't realize it until that night. And they were used to it because they had did a tour already with Art Spire. So they knew what they were getting into. We didn't know. No windows on it in the middle of the night to roll down. And it was the middle of July. And, you know, by the time you load out, maybe get a little bit of driving done. You know, it's like 3 o'clock. Now, I'm usually the first guy that wakes up and drives. I usually wake up around like nine and start driving. I was getting about two hours of sleep and I would wake up and turn on the air conditioner and sleep for a half hour and shut the van off. And then I'd wake up again and turn it on. Five o'clock came around. I would start driving with that AC crank and let everyone else sleep. And I said, dude, like, this is so luxurious. Like, it's nice. It's brand new, blah, blah, blah. But man, did I miss that bus because the bus windows down it all the you know, both sides and we never had a night like we there was hot nights in there but it was never like that
1: yeah wow that, that sounds gross <laughs> oh it was, dude
4: you <laughs> think like you're like oh you know the bus must stink like we always kept it clean and you know burnt candles and fabrics off there, all that shit we always kept that thing fresh yeah yeah, yeah. but it not was fresh fresh as <laughs> <is>
1: that hot <laughs> wax on the road
4: <laughs> but it it was dude i'm not even over exaggerating like it was the hottest tour we've ever did
1: wow man um uh Hotter than that uh, Volvdania tour you just came on. That no, that's was what I'm saying. That was the hottest tour we ever did. Oh, okay. Oh, that was the tour in question. Right. Oh. Okay, Where we man. were like, right. dude, that was like, that was so hot. Wow, man. Uh, it, it, it's funny because the the last uh, tour episode, we the first actually tour episode, we, I I related the story of being in Colorado in the van and like freezing uh, in 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 my sleeping bag and like I think it was probably it was it was winter sometime in, in Colorado in the van. And uh, it was with Sam from Artificial Brain, and um, and he, you know, he's just like rugged. He doesn't care. He'll he'll, he'll deal with it. And then the, the the one time I was swamped out, kind of like you're describing, we were somewhere in like like outside of Los Angeles, crashing at someone's house, and me and Sam were the, were the two dudes that slept in the van on the two on the two different benches or whatever. And um, I woke up. It was kind of cool at night when we went to sleep. I woke up at like 8 in the morning, and it was just like sweat everywhere. And I was like in my in my clothes, but it felt like I was in a swimming pool kind of, man. And, I, and I'm like, oh, oh, I like woke up and like I kind of got jumpy, like I had to get out of there. And like Sam's just in the back, like watching some video on his phone show, <laughs> just, just kicking it, man. You know what I mean? Long hair, beard and shit, dude. Nothing fazed the guy, man. Yeah, so shout out to Sam, man. The, dude, um, there,
4: were, there was another tour we did, and the guys all slept in this dude's house. And me and Harry were like, I'm going to sleep in the bus tonight. And we took our we can plug our bus into a wall if we want and power stuff. And we had two big box fans in there. And we plugged it in and we slept like babies. And the guys come out in the morning, too apparently like, slept. It was so hot in there and me and Harry were like, dude, I felt like we stayed in the Hilton that night. <laughs> we felt <laughs> yeah. like we stayed in the Hilton. It was so just nice out and the air was blowing and shit. It was great.
1: Yeah, speaking of which, you you know, speaking, you guys don't st- don't get to actually stay in the Hilton or any other hotel uh, that often when you're on the road the way you do things too, right?
4: No, it's got to be it's got to be either ridiculously hot or ridiculously cold, or because like you know, like we do the we do the shower rest stop, the rest stop showers. We all you know go in there and take a shower. We shower every day where the
1: truckers go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So we shower. Loves
4: loves loves so. and pilots yeah. and flying Gs. and we go in there and we shower every day all the time but like Alleg- allegedly yeah, yeah but the <laughs> last tour um i think we got we got a hotel in florida because it was like really brutal and sticky and we got a hotel on our day off and mm-hmm. and it was you know more because like we were doing good on the merch and everything we were like dude we can afford it but like it's got to be really bad and like dude you were talking about freezing we did a tour in february in fucking canada and that was yeah. the coldest i've ever dealt with of anything, that's horrible, dude. It was freezing, but like we only slept in the van one night. We we ended up having people's houses every night, and I it might have only been two nights we slept in there. But like we stayed at a friend's house for three nights in a row, and then dude, shout out to another Long Island band, Machinist. The one night they were like, you know, we took them on the tour and all, and we were getting ready to sleep in our bus, and they were like, yo, let's treat you to a hotel, and we were like, dude, you don't got it, and they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> They got us a hotel that night. <laughs> wow. Because we had gotten them a place to sleep, like, for three nights in a row with us and everything. And they were like, yeah, let us, let us take care of you. And it was awesome.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's that's another thing. Getting back to that point about networking. Uh, you know, you guys have a fair amount of people around the country now. And I imagine even in other, other parts of the world, maybe, that'll put you up for the night and come out to the show and buy T-shirts. And that's how the scene... There's always people in the scene that support, you know?
4: It's always... Uh, you know, like I always say, like, dude, first of all, like, you know, you're thankful for everyone that comes to those shows anyway, but, like, it's always cool when you see your friends' bands coming to see you. Because we try to go and see our friends' bands whenever they come around.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, anytime you come um, east east of Queens, I got you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, you know, how, it was, like, dude, it was like you guys. I wanted to go see Afterbirth the other night. But, you know, dude, Yeah. I ju- I've been to a bunch of shows already. It's not exactly next door. Obviously, I got the knee problem, but, like, you know, I go to as much as I can within reason, and especially like you know how it is, dude. When you're on, when you're done tour, you don't even want to hear this shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you need you need to detach, man. You know, I've, I've found like going fishing lately there's just no death metal around me there's no shows i don't have to text anybody like i have a constant barrage of texts from when i wake up to when i go to bed about the podcast about the band about a show six months from now about a session guy about this about that and sometimes you just need to get away from that insanity for a minute in order to continue to love it when you get back
4: well that's kind of like like you said like shane's doing that right now like we're going out west in october and shane has never really missed anything and he was like yo i just i need to chill for a second i'll take that one off he's doing the through the eyes of dead tour we got to where november we're doing and he was just like i just need them two weeks you know to work and just you know focus which is fine because i mean if you think about it this year we're going january going in february uh what was it march into april then we did june that two weeks off and went back out in july you know and that's a lot
1: <laughs> all right so like I mean just think it like rough estimate, two thousand eighteen. How much of two thousand eighteen were you on the road? All right,
4: let's think. so January was two weeks.
1: Almost
4: so it's been like four months.
1: Four months. And then and then this two thousand nineteen so far, how long have you been on the road? Oh just no no wait, I'm some... sorry,
4: two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen yeah yeah, Yeah. Whole yeah. Year. So two thousand eighteen we were probably on the road. I only think for three weeks, really.
1: Because you were recording the album, maybe? Or...
4: Well, it was like the recording of the album, and then just like, you know, we we, we had like a time frame where we couldn't tour and shit because we had shit going on. So we only okay. did like three or three weeks. Because we did a tour with Replisire, we did that Corpse tour. I forget. Oh, okay. We did we did another tour. And then 2019, we've been gone for four months.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. This year is... Well, that's what we, the
4: business. plan was. We were like, dude, we got to, yeah. you know, hit it hard.
1: Yeah, I, I get it, man. Oh, and then we went yeah.
4: to Europe last year. That's what it was. We did a tour in Europe.
1: Yeah, so I definitely want to get to that. But before we get to that, um, talking about getting out of the United States, you guys, well, getting out of the continental United States, you guys played Puerto Rico. Yes. This dude, uh, Noel, who I was,
4: I forget who referred to me, him at the time. This was years ago. I met him, and he was like, hey, man, I'll take you down. And he took care of us, and. It wasn't like this giant show or nothing. You know, we didn't have high expectations. We looked at it as let's go there and it's a vacation we can all take. And we're going to play a show and it's going to be, dude, we're going to go to Puerto Rico. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Great vacation.
4: <laughs> yeah. And we were like, dude, we never do something where we're like, hey, guys, let's go have fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it's always like, hey, man, we got to worry about this, this, and that. And you know how it is. Like, even when you're having fun on tour, it's still a job. You still got to arrive on time and get done and get out of there. And we were like, hey, you know, I think we were there from Thursday night till Sunday night.
1: Wow. Did you stay at a hotel? Uh, it was, like, an apartment he rented for us. Wow. Like so a it condo. Like a really, it really was a vacation. You weren't just, like, in a, in a van with, with... No, no. No, We to landed.
4: We landed. We got an Uber. Or, no, he picked us up, if I remember right. Dropped us off at the hotel. Or, the you know, the thing. And they serve alcohol 24 hours. And we went and got booze. And... Had a good time, and we were a block away from the beach and a block away from the casino, and you know I had a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the show like? What's the Puerto Rican metal scene like? It's good, but the the turnout was a little light, but there was a show the next day that was awesome. So I think there was just too many shows coming up, and they just had Uh shows and all that, but no complaints.
1: Did it seem like the people that were there, like there was, a, there was a strong awareness of like the guttural death metal and stuff? Yes, like the R- they, there yeah.
4: was dudes there that really knew their shit. There was a couple kids came up like, I never thought I'd see us. And I was like, wow, like I'm flattered. Because, you know, like who the fuck are we in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, Just, you know, great. even in yeah. the death metal world, like we know we're not this big band. But yeah. yeah, dudes came up and we were selling merch. You know, there was a couple guys there. Bought the merch, sent us friend requests. You know, we're on Facebook. We're like, yeah, man, like accept it, And they're like, well, dude, I can't believe you sat there and talked to us all night. And we're like, you know, we're just dudes, man. And like, some of them dudes, I was like literally sitting there, like, enjoying hanging out and talking to them. Like, we were nerding out and be like, you know me, I'm, I could talk cryptopsy all day.
1: Yes. <laughs> These guys yes. are
4: talking death and cryptopsy, and you're sitting there with your glasses on, like, actually, Flash for me made flesh is the best cheating ever. <laughs>
1: Uh, we, I I appreciate your story, but we gotta, we gotta be tread very lightly with the Cryptopsy albums and talking about that, all right? We gotta be (laughs) prepared. Why why do you have to do that? (sighs) (laughs) We got a history here about about comparing Cryptopsy albums. Well, you you know, dude,
4: I go to bed in cold sweats because I can't
1: decide which one's the best. (laughs) So so you got to go you should go to bed you should actually go be going to bed in those new Afterbirth logo sweatpants that we got out on Bandcamp. Oh, oh nice nice sales pitch right there.
0: That. Wow. that was fucking wow. smooth I, man. Not, I'm, not
3: I'm getting a sponsor. of the show. I yeah. didn't sign off
0: on that. Yeah. Not a sponsor. Of I didn't show. Yeah. that's getting edited out. I, I'm taking it out. You yeah, <laughs> it in.
2: You Sounds should check out
0: them it goes blank. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. Um, All right. Awesome. I just wanted to ask you about that because, you know, it's not every day I hear about um, death metal bands touring in in Puerto Rico. And I don't know that there's like a big scene over there, man. So it was interesting to get that insight. It was awesome. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it sounds awesome, man. Uh, You know, I I, hopefully uh, maybe one of my bands can get over there one day. man. You
4: you guys would love it. I always tell everyone I'm like, dude, even if like you go there with the concept of I'm going to lose money on the plane tickets. It's worth it. It's worth it. Just to be able to say you did it.
1: Something I've gotten comfortable with over the years is just, you know, people outside of the scene who don't understand it, like co workers or family members, maybe. I, I describe this as like it's a vacation. Like, look, I don't go down to uh, Miami on spring break. I don't go away and go skiing in the mountains. Me and three of my friends or four of my friends go away and play music for other friends of mine and people that are like-minded. And um, a lot of times we're able to break even and, and have a great trip. You know what I mean? And um, that's my version of a vacation. I
4: always, that's how I like when people are like, do you make money or I'm like, you know, sometimes we make a little or we break even. But like you said, like, dude, I would have never went to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. if I didn't go play there. And I would have never been to Europe and Iceland if we didn't get the offers to go do that.
1: Yeah, you know yeah. great you just segued, my friend what <laughs> let's talk about europe when did you go to europe uh so i went
4: the very first time in my life when i was in waking with macabre immolation and napalm death wow Whoa. that's a lineup <laughs> and it was like on the tour bus with them and all that shit it was like like if you're gonna go there like what better way to go
1: you know what i mean yeah, I mean, before we get into Cognitive's European experience... But that, that it, was,
4: it was just, you know, every night was sold out pretty much, and,
1: yeah, you know, we got yeah, to, yeah.
4: Dude, we played with Sodom one night, uh, who else wow. we Yeah, Pestilence, like, there were some nights, like, we played fests and stuff, and it was in the middle of the winter, so it wasn't, like, festival season, but, you know, that was, like, everything was, like, really taken care of, I just had to get on the plane and, and, and go. So when we went with Cognitive, when we got offered to go play Death Feast, and it was, hey... You know, we're going to go play Death Beast. We should make the boast out of it. This guy's always asking us to go to Iceland as well. There was this guy always asking us, hey, you guys, why don't you guys come? Like, I love your EP. He found Hard Swarm, and from the Hard Swarm era, he was asking us to come to Iceland. Thanks. So he was like, if you ever come over, please let me know. I'll book you a show. So on the way out, we landed in Iceland and changed planes to go to Europe. But on the way back, we played Iceland for this dude. But. For this tour, it was, okay, I've got to find somebody to book the tour. And I booked a couple of the shows myself, just from knowing people and having friends like talk to this person and that person. And it was totally different because we were in a small van, uh, gear rental, the gear rental was not that good at all. Like if I could change one thing, I wish we had better gear with us, Wow. but dude, I mean, the tour itself went way better than anyone could have expected, you know what I mean? Like. I couldn't believe like the amount of people at Death Feast. Oh, dude, I've, I've known about your band for so long. I couldn't wait, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, we got to play with Misery Index and Origin and Ingested in Germany, and then like we got to play with Catalepsy, who's literally one of my favorite bands, and they're from Russia. So yeah, you never think you're, you're never going to think you're going to see them. And we got to play with them. <laughs> so that wow. was like a dream come true. Uh, there was yeah. a sick band World End Man from Japan that we played with two shows as well and they were sick and we met the guys from analepsy and like you know it was like really cool and i couldn't believe like not only did we get through it but like we sold almost all of our merch uh the third show in we sold out of all of our vinyl and you know we brought a lot of merch with us and we flew through it and i couldn't believe the amount of support there you know we got to you know i got to see malika you know the guys from epicardiactomy, cardiac to me like there's a bunch of friends i really got to see awesome them. Yeah, no. it was fucking sick, and we're going back in February, and I'm like really excited for that.
1: Wow, man, that sounds like a great fucking tour. Man.
4: <laughs> it was awesome. You know, it definitely wasn't like on caliber as like some things were, but for our first trip, going, hey, we need to make our establishment over there now. Like, hey guys, we're willing to come over here, and look, like two people do know about us. It went ten times better than we expected.
1: So you you basically started cognitive about eight years ago, give or take. Right. Um, you've you've weathered lineup changes. You just put out your third full-length album um, on on Unique Leader uh, Records. I should I should add, you know, you got signed to uh, you know uh, one, you know a very credible uh, death metal label. Uh, this is your first, you know, you played all over the United States, Canada, Puerto Rico. You finally get to Europe for your first tour since that Waking the Cadaver tour, right? Yep. Is it safe to say that that's like you've reached kind of like a, um, uh, some sort of tipping point or a point of no return with cognitive or, or for just? For me, like a, yeah. A, a and I think
4: a lot of the guys are at that point too where they're like, dude, like, I'd be dumb to stop now because, like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's different levels and you, like, you walk up a stair and you're like, all right, well, it's going to take a little bit because that next step, but I'm going to get on that step soon. And yeah, I feel like yeah. we finally got on that step where, like, you know, for like, you know, Obviously, Harry hasn't been able to do the past couple tours with us because he took that job where he's going to be out of commission with us for six months. And for Harry, who like did all these tours and he did the ones where you know we were playing in front of you know 14 people and then you know that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And now we're getting you know the Volvdania tour, the Waken tour. You know we got the Through the Eyes of the Dead tour, the Altar Beast tour. And he's like, dude, you know I feel bad for him because he's been in the band the longest besides me, and he's missing it.
1: Yeah, and and that, see, that's another thing that just speaks to things that people don't really realize that go on with these big touring bands, and also um, that that team aspect that you start getting with uh, session musicians and and lineup changes, man, where someone just kind of takes one for the team and says, "Yeah, man. So someone, someone can learn my parts and go out there and play them every night. And I'm gonna go to work and just, you know, you, you guys represent out there. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a big deal, you know."
4: Oh, dude, it was hard for Harry. He tells me all the time. He's like, "It's killing me." Like, you know, these yeah. past couple tours, there's hundreds of people at these shows, and he's like, oh, "You know, man. dude, I'm at work." And like, great, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad he's getting his, you know, bills straightened out and financial situation like really good. Like, good. I'm so happy for him. But you know, yeah, he yeah. said it. He's like, "It's killing me." He's like, "It's killing me." I can't wait to hop back in. And I'm thankful for somebody like Harry, who's like, dude, get someone to fill in because it's all—it's. I want you guys to still go do it. It's only going to benefit the
1: band. If, you know, I'm not going to be there, but the band's still going to be there. Exactly, man. <laughs> and it's more—it's more about the um the group than the individual at that point, man. And and thank
4: God that the session guys, we got especially like guys from Wormhole that offered to help out. Like they do it justice. They rock out. They were fans of the band before we asked them to be in it.
1: That was going to be my, my, yeah. That, that no. That was my next question. If you could continue, because I wanted to ask you about Wormhole and uh, your relationship with that band, and um, you know, the last I guess what's it been? Uh, not not even really a year yet, or has it been that they've been helping out?
4: It's been since like June last year. Sanjay filled in on bass because mm-hmm. we took him to Canada with us, and I had no idea at that time that their singer is like an amazing guitar player too like Sanjay, and he's like a jazz teacher, actually. And there's some of my best friends, and like Matt's one of the best drummers I've ever watched play. And there's been times where we were just like, yo, like, do you, do you wanna cover? And, you know, we, Matt filled in for us at the Eric Lindmark Memorial Show, and he killed it. And when Harry was like, hey, ma-, Harry let us know about eight months prior, hey man, plan ahead. I already talked to Sanjay and Ansh about, you know, being able to fill in. And Harry had them all lined up. And thank God they've always been there when we needed them. And if they can't, like the one tour, the Waken tour, uh, I just did it by myself, which sucked not having two guitar players, but they had their Arch Spire tour. So, yeah. yeah. But all the other tours, we have people, you know, lined up and have been until Harry's back in the saddle. And then, like, AJ gets limited on his touring. And he's the same way, dude. Just I do the tours I can. And you know, put the work in without me, if not.
1: Wow, yeah. I uh, I'll See, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, people think it's all just like a... um, uh, like a, 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 mer- a merry dance, I think, as uh, Steve Grimmett put it. You know, like, like it's like like it's just this big party, man, but there's a lot of work that goes into it, and like and, you said, there's there's levels to it.
4: And you know, too, like, you know, you have Oleg on standby for, hey, man, Dan can't do it, or Revo just yeah. had something pop up, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah, have to, yeah. if you're... If you're trying to be serious at our level, you need to have that ready.
1: Yeah, it's definitely true, man. Um, and uh, s- speaking speaking now of, like, the levels thing, um, quickly, you know, we talked before about, like, advice to younger bands and things like that. Uh, and something you said is, like, you know, there's It's really hard when you're getting like 150 or 200 dollars a night for the band and then like once you start getting like more like above like you know like more than $600 dollars a night, for, it gets really easy. but a lot of bands just can't get over that hump. What? Uh, short of just going viral or like writing the best song ever and getting it out there, like what are some steps maybe that bands miss or some things people are doing wrong when they're because I'm sure over the time, you've seen a lot of bands that are just right there. And they just they they never do it, and they just break up, and you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are, what are some but things? That's like, weird because you know? I, I
4: I'm, we're not at that spot. Yeah, that's six seven hundred So it's not like I'm an expert, but but, but you've been you've been around a while, and right? You right. A, well, you I spent see. a lot and, of and time.
2: I well, think one of it
4: is like you said, like either you catch on real quick, and like that's obviously best case scenario. Cool. Mm-hmm. Like everyone wants to see you and shit like that. But like, okay, to me, perfect example, and and I love the guys. There's some of like, my good friends. It's like Rivers and Nile. You know, they had been around a little bit longer than us. And, you know, they got on Metal Blade. And they were doing a lot of... And first of all, them dudes busted their ass to get where they're at anyway, because they were doing a lot of touring. But they finally wrote, like, the record. And and that it took them their third full length, where people, like, they blew up. People loved it. And sometimes you write just, it takes that one record. But then there's bands out there that never put out the record, but they just stayed at it. And I think that's the key in death metal is staying at it, along with putting out quality shit, obviously.
1: Staying relevant.
4: But you know, I, I think that that's what it is. Is like, you know, sometimes people are like, well, we can only tour three times or you know, three times a year, but it's only like a week or two here and there. And like, I don't think that you're ever going
1: to get over that big hump until you're really at it. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you guys have made all the right moves. And again, you know, even if you say like you're not there yet, you're not at that level yet. You spent a lot of time around the the, the bigger guys, and I think that speaks right there to Like you've got to watch these bigger bands. Uh, if you're if you have the opportunity to open up for one of these bigger bands when they come to your town, or to get on one of well, it's not even or like, you know
4: Go to them and just watch them and see and be like, wow, like that yeah, band's popping. Yeah. This band isn't. What was different about them and who's been around long? All- like, and it's not even about that. Obviously, to me, it's about going to the show to enjoy it. But you can always walk away with an education from something over there
1: when you go to a show. Exactly. Watch Mm. the merch table. Watch. Watch what the designs. Oh
4: man, look at this and look how how fat. Like they kept the energy going during the set or this this or that or you know the front man's good or the front man's awkward or you know whatever. Always ask
3: questions. You can always ask questions. Right. Right. Hey, what's what's sold most most tonight? You know, why why is that shirt selling? You know, ask somebody who bought the shirt. Why'd you buy that shirt?
1: Oh totally! totally! Because it's a size four X. It's the only one that fits. <laughs> right. Lay off! Lay off! Hey, shout out to cognitive If you guys always held me down with the big boy shirts. Always, years, always. We've been slacking a little bit lately because uh, you know
4: corners are getting tight. That shit costs a little extra money, but we we've yeah. always tried to have it. Yeah, the corners
1: are tight on a three X. I need that. 4X. All right, <laughs> <man>.
4: <laughs> You're looking like a two X lately.
1: Yo, oh, oh, this guy's hitting on me now. It's yes. All right. But, All right. Uh, you know, Friends then you the ask him, be like,
4: dude, why are you wearing, why are you wearing early era Cannibal Corpse stuff when you could be wearing, you know, stuff like, you know, Bloodthirst, Wretched Spawn shirts? Like, you know, you can ask them kind of questions. The important and, and other- questions. The important questions.
1: <laughs> why, why are you, why are you wearing a leprosy <laughs> shirt when you could be wearing a symbolic shirt? Yeah, he- heavy whole podcast. Asking the tough questions. <laughs> Um, Catch me up with the Bjork shirt. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that show. No, nothing at all. Uh, speaking of nothing questions, of um, we've been on the phone for almost an hour, and there's so many other questions that I, I, I haven't been able to ask you getting into the music and the albums and things like that. But I feel like we had a really good talk about touring and behind the scenes stuff, man. And we, and we got a little ball, ball busting in, uh, too, man. Of course. Um, but speaking of asking questions. I did ask you to prepare uh, uh, an older recommendation and a newer recommendation uh, for the listeners. Listening pleasure. If, uh, if maybe we want to segue into that part now and you want to kick some knowledge to the people. Easily.
4: And, and yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't prepare for this. I just said that and I said, I'm going to go off a of win. Freestyle. And off,
1: off the top of the head. Freeze, off, off
4: the top of the dome right now. Despise the sun by suffocation.
1: Long Easily. Island. Long Island, Easily. Right. Right. Easily, shout to suffocation.
4: Everyone's always going to, you know, go to effigy and breed in the spawn,
1: and I'm saying despise the sun. What now? Can I ask you, uh, not to disparage any suffocation album, but like why that one in particular? I think it's the
4: most ferocious. I think it's really well written and cohesive and catchy. Because to me, I, you know, some people don't like put them in. They're like I, I, consider them. I, I, well, I always would just call them a, a death metal band, but like. Suffocation is definitely, like, technical, and they have of time signatures and stuff like that, and, like, they still wrote a really good, catchy EP.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely, man. Well, and I- I Dave agree. Kuros crushes the drums on it. Yeah, yeah.
4: You know, some people went- don't like it because it doesn't have the solos. I-, I don't care.
1: I don't care. <laughs> Wasn't that the last one they released before they broke up? Uh, like, well, you know, the- that for-, for a few years there?
4: I think so. I think yeah. so. And then they came yeah. back with a self-titled.
1: All right. Well, yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Album. I remember when that came out, man. That was an interesting era because it was like the late 90s. I forget the exact year, but it, yeah, it was like and then and then they broke up, man. Yeah, that that was it is a really good album, man, and maybe something our readers should go back and check out. Our, I keep saying readers and viewers <laughs> a lot lately. It's really weird, yeah. man. Yeah, our listeners, our listeners. <laughs> well, we will yeah, we will I have to study that. it. Does next is going to be Audio... viewers at
4: home, viewers at home because yeah. you're going to be on you're going to be on Comcast on demand. We're
1: not on yeah. YouTube, and we're not on Kindle, so neither of those things. So anyway, well, like I was going to say, though, for the this, list... This for the... won't
3: come out till then. You know? yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. For,
1: for, the, for, for, the view, for the viewers of this Kindle cast. Um, for the listeners, though, uh, yeah, definitely check out that Despise the Sun by Suffocation, man. And maybe if you're just creeping on that Pierce reading effigy vibe, you know, get, get into the later years, too, man. There's a lot in the suffocation discussion. Uh, yo, I'll
4: throw it out there as an honorable mention for new stuff but i think that that last suffo album they put out of the dark light was criminally underrated i think it's one of their best efforts
0: it's a really good album very good yeah. i love it i love the writing it is sick really i love like, it like riffs that get stuck in your head like and, and it's possibly in my album. top three it's possibly in
1: my top three softball records i love mm. it mm. well i know so so yeah, so uh, despise the sun and expand your suffocation knowledge, man. I think if we keep going with this, that could be a whole episode of the Heavy Hole Podcast just talking suffo albums. Now, We're if you
4: want gonna... me to pitch the new
1: stuff, I'm going to yeah, go so, for it. What do you? So what do you got for a new recommendation?
4: It's it's not this year, but it was. I think it was last year, but I'm going to go out there and say it. That Archspire record, Relentless Mutation, I think was one of the best things that happened to Tactical
1: Death Battle in, in ten, fifteen years. Wow. It's a great wow. fucking record, man. Big statement, big statement, man. It is. I, I'll admit, I have to go back and revisit that. Um, uh, not not a band that was necessarily on my radar last year with all the other shit coming out, but I will definitely check that out. I
4: checked their older, and now I went back and listened to their older stuff. I think it's good, but it didn't grab me right away. But when I heard their new album, Obsessed, right away. And I think the crazy thing is, like to me, like they took what Origin and like bands like obviously Flesh God is more like operatic and symphonic and all that stuff. But you take these super fast bands out there, and Art Spire took it and went, arguably from, from a lot of the bands, possibly faster and more technical, and it's still catchy. Like they I can, like, hum, I can hum that record probably back to front.
3: They put like Busta Rhymes death metal vocals too. Oh yeah, totally <laughs> Tech yeah, Nine, all that it's stuff. It's so it,
4: fast, so fast. It's crazy because it's very listenable though. Yep.
1: Yeah, I gotta admit, um, I, I'm, a, I am very impressed with with the vocals uh i haven't heard that latest album but i've heard Archspire before i you know the music not necessarily my cup of tea with all due respect um but something you know i've, I've made I, reference I get to why music it's not for Death
0: Metal. Yeah. well it, it yeah. is it, it draws from like neoclassical references without it so there's a this reference bit it's like it's akin to Necrophagus, but it's oh, like totally more it's, more in like the origin type energy it's spawn a possession on crack Yes, yeah. it's. it's
4: super, I agree, yeah, it's, it's Spawn, fun. Necrophages, yeah. and, like, and like you said, I think there's a huge origin influence too, like hands down.
1: Yeah, I say I say that with all due, with oh, all due obviously. respect, it's, a, yeah. it's yeah. a little over my head. Well, <laughs> so dude, I I, I, about I'll be it honest
4: is, too, I, I get yeah. why it's not for everyone.
2: Because yeah, like some um, people are
4: like, it's so over the top all the time, this is all it is, it's not for everyone, which is fine, you know what I mean? Obviously everyone's their title, their opinion too. But like I, I'm blown away by it, and I don't go and listen to tech death that much anymore.
3: Love tech death. What I love about Arcfire is you listen to the record and they fucking pull it off live.
4: Oh, totally. It, it's yeah. it's
3: spot on, you know, and it's, it's incredible to watch. That that's kind of what surprised me most the first time I saw them was like you know.
0: It's unreal. I'm gonna, yeah.
3: I'm, like, I'm gonna compare it to seeing uh, Dragon Force live the first time. To be <laughs> right. honest, right? Yeah. Not, not so much like the recording. But you see, Archspire, it's tight. It's there. No, they're they, it's they're, just, they're great what at expect. what they do.
4: They deserve all the hype they have.
1: They deserve it. They deserve it. Yeah, and that vocal style is very impressive and very unique in a lot of ways, man. No, it's I, awesome. Dude. I, I got to give respect. So yeah, so that what was right. the name of that Archspire album? That's just Relentless uh, Mutation.
4: Relentless. Okay. All right.
1: So um, we're. We're going to let that play for a minute, and then, uh, you know, Rob... this hour went by real quick, man. I mean, you, you know, you and you know, I have known each other for a while, man. We got a good rapport, and like I said, there's a lot of questions that were kind of left out about maybe the more musical end of um, cognitive and the production end, but we'd love to get you back in the future uh, for, for another round, man, and talk some more shit. And um, we really appreciate your time tonight, dude, and we wish you the best of luck with the going out on the road again. Be safe out there, and shout to all your band members, uh, past and present, and we encourage the listeners to check out... Um, your latest album was Matricide. Am I pronouncing that right? Matricide? Matricide. Matricide. It's the Long Island tongue, man. Uh. Mat- <laughs> Matricide, Matricide uh, on Unique Leader Records. And of course, go back and check out the other um, the other records. Full disclosure, I do a vocal uh, guest appearance on Deformity, the album that came out before that. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah. So, Rob Warren from Cognitive. Love you, brother. Thanks yeah, for Yeah, Take your time, it easy. Man. Thanks,
4: all. Well, take it easy, guys. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Man.
1: Take Thank it for, yeah. around. Later, guys. So Later, brother. I'll be in touch the victim. man really cool to talk to my buddy rob there um all kidding aside man really nice dude really good guy uh always done right by me in terms of booking and business and all that sort of stuff man and a good friend on top of that just to clear things up with the listeners and if they didn't get all the uh the new jersey long island crossover humor it's friendly elbows that was, yeah that was going on there okay that's how this just, that's just how we talk sometimes uh, amongst friends and family but shout out to rob warden and all the other members of cognitive um mm. Really great talking to that guy. It went quick, and I uh, like I said a few times, I missed a few of my questions. So we got to have him back next time, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: slick talking Jersey guy, man. So shout to Rob. Thanks a lot to Cognitive. Uh, that being said, he recommended a couple of things. I want you to recommend a couple of things, but first, but first, we got I, a couple voicemails. Okay, let's check the let's check the mail.
2: All right, first one in. What's going on, guys? This is Tyler Craig coming at you from beautiful Upstate South Carolina. And in true heavy, whole fashion, I wanted to sh- give a shout-out to to an old and new album that I've really, that recently came across. Um first one I want to give a shout-out to is a new release. Um came across this album reading the obituary column from Trevor of Black Dahlia Murder, and the band is called Our Place of Worship is Silent, and their newest album Entitled With Inexcrable Suffering, um, came out April 13th, 2018 on Translation Lost Records. They are an old school black and death metal outfit. And when I first heard this album, I just was really captured by just the atmosphere that this album creates. Just really dark and really foreboding with just the really meaty and substance style riffs and just the haunting and brutal vocals on this thing. Not so much that they are like a brutal death metal style vocals but just how haunting these these vocals are and how dark the lyrics are just really adds uh, really adds to the atmosphere that they're trying to create on this album and that they do so so beautifully and also the blast beats on this thing are just so killer i cannot believe that they've been under my radar as long as they've been so shout, shout out to trevor um for giving these guys the credit they that they so much deserve. And for my classic album, I wanted to give a huge shout-out to the debut album by the legendary death metal band, Bolt Thrower, um, Realm of Chaos, released October 28, 1989 on Earache Records. The first thing, when I first heard this album for the very first time, the thing that really just drove me in was how needy. These riffs are. These riffs are absolutely beautiful. They are so thick. They are so substantive. I can just gnaw on these things for hours on end. They are like porterhouse steaks. They are just so juicy, so tasty, so have so much substance on these. And just drums in the background are just as beautifully complements the riffs beautifully. The lyrics on the singer, absolutely killer the vocal style, even though it is more of a grindy style album, but just a killer, killer album from a legendary death metal group, and I cannot believe it took me this long to finally get into Bolt Thrower, but I'm so glad I did, and this is the record that I will take with me to my grave and just listen to over and over and over again. Uh, Thanks for all your hard work, guys, and absolutely love your content.
0: That's it. I think it got cut off. We got a three-minute, uh, okay, all right, three-minute uh, threshold on these. Oh, so
1: it man. sounded like he was winding it down. He yeah. was, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Tyler, thanks for calling in. Yeah, uh, shout to Tyler. We do see you on the Facebook from time to time, man. Appreciate the support, brother. Definitely love to hear it.
0: Yeah, I heard that the voicemail uh, while I was uh, driving back from Brooklyn. Got that on my phone. Gave it a listen, and I was like, "Yo, our place of worship is silence." Great fucking album. Such mm-hmm. a One of the sickest album intros I've ever heard. He's spot on. And then Bolt Thrower. Come on, classic.
1: Yeah, I was really glad when he brought up Bolt Thrower um, to to open up the conversation about Bolt Thrower a little bit. Uh, Just, I mean, we could talk a lot about Bolt Thrower and the history there. I feel like in this day and age they're getting their props kind of. uh, I've related the story, I'm sure, probably five. I love to flex on the story about seeing them twice at the Maryland Death Fest that one year. But uh, a story I will flex on that I don't know if I have flexed on yet on the podcast um, when Violich toured with Demolich uh, in 2006 um, uh, there was one point we were in a hotel room in Texas just kind of kicking it, having a conversation and I asked him, what, like, what was the band or what were you guys listening to when you started Demolich? Like, what was the inspiration when you like, like we got to start a death metal band and you wrote the stuff and he said, bolt throw and it didn't click at me. For, I was like, really? And then you guys wrote Demolich? And then, but then I saw Bolt Thrower play live, and it all made sense to me. And if you listen to those Bolt Thrower riffs with Demolich in mind, try to try to picture that connection and then picture how uh, Demolich took it and warped it to the next level, man. Really yep. interesting connection between Bolt Thrower's writing style and Demolich if you listen for it, man. So uh, thanks thanks again to Tyler for that, man. All
0: right, so thanks again, Tyler, for calling in. Uh, we got one more voicemail. Uh, this one's a little weirder. A uh, real weirdo calling him. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah, it's Big oh Will, man. a.k.a. Guys Uncle are the... Buck from the Heavy Hole Podcast here. We're outside of uh, the Wait Meat Locker man. venue in Montclair, New Jersey, waiting to play a show with Afterbirth. And uh, my guitarist, Cody, just put me onto some Long Island floor I didn't know about. Cody, tell them about Wealth. bro. Uh, so Wealth was a one-off, I think, side project of some
0: Long Island musician. Uh, Doug Cerrito of Suffocation and Doug Bone of Suffocation were in this band and there were some other members that I don't really remember and I'm not so sure uh, what other bands they were in but uh, very Suffocation-esque but a little bit slower pace, got some blast beats in there um, reminds me of almost like more of a hardcore version of Suffocation a uh, little bit slow down, some doomy parts, very very heavy, very thick guitar tone and just absolutely pummeling drums and the vocalist, uh, again, I don't know his name, uh, more of like a thrash vibe, but I'm, I was way into thrash, so that's like not really an obstacle for me. Um, not really well known outside of Long Island, I don't believe, but yeah, check it out. Welp,
1: Paranoid Delusion. Thanks, Cody. Check back in with you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm leaving you guys' messages on the road now, man. I'm getting everybody involved hey you got the number so why not I got it on speed dial man
3: Uh, great tactic
1: I love it (laughs) yeah dude it's like I told you we got to Jersey early we were out there all day sweating it on the sidewalk just people watching and we were talking stuff and Cody dropped that I I never heard of this band well with Doug Cerrito and Doug Bone and uh, and, uh, you know I had I said, man, this is for the heavy hole, man. Before I forget, let me call it right up. The band is Welt, W E L T. Yeah, if nothing else, I know you can at least look it up on YouTube and it's you know, for your, for your suffocation fans, uh very you know, very interesting little uh, side journey you can go down, you know. Sweet. Yeah, man. So so shout to Tyler Craig and shout to Cody from Afterbirth, man. Cool. So that's
0: all the voicemails we got right now. So it's time for our recommendations.
1: Well wait a minute, while we're here, why don't we just if you wanna call and be as cool as Cody from Afterbirth or Tyler, what's the number?
0: 631-837-3274. Yes. Get your pencil for the, the when I say it twice at the end of the episode.
1: Okay. All uh, right, yeah, so I just, yeah, just want to yeah. make sure I have it on all, yeah,
0: all pieces of paper and every phone book.
3: The new
1: moleskin right at the bottom of every page. Yeah. Tattoo it on your face and your neck, and you could be a SoundCloud rapper and, and know our number. <laughs> all right. All right. So we recommend that you call us with any uh, um, anything you want us to check out or any recommendations for your fellow listeners and for us. But right now, I want you guys to recommend some stuff to me. Awesome. I'll start off. So, Sedimentum.
0: Sedimentum. Uh, I've I've heard of this. I've heard of this. This is my new recommendation for the podcast. Um, It came from a listener with a sick band that I just really want to share. Okay. Yeah. That's a tone. Yeah. This thing has riffs. So, this is their new release. It's their demo, 2019. These guys are from Quebec. I really like the way this demo sounds. This sounds fucking amazing. That tone, the drums. Yeah, it's like it's cavernous, but it's clear at the same time. The guitars are buzzing; they're not like muddy. Mm,
1: This is that you know. Obviously, it's it's very fresh to me, but it's got that metal of death sonic quality right off the right off the jump.
0: Yeah, it's uh, emulating a disaster that's happening. It's really uh,
1: it's so clunky. It's like a big storm. In your head, the way it just the way everything sits, it's like this clunky tornado like the Tasmanian devil when he would flip out, you know what I mean? Wow and, uh, man. The shout to the pro- cheers to the producer and whoever mixed <laughs> and mastered this. It's a nasty riff. Wow, dude, you should have warned me.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this sedimentum. Go pick it up. Uh, I'd mm. like to see what these guys do in the future. This is their only release, and uh, I'm excited for this. And thanks Alexi for hitting me up. Oh excuse me, Alexis.
1: Shout to Alexis, man. This is really good stuff. Keep up the good work.
0: Justin, what are you bringing to us? Cool.
3: Uh, this week I have Shadow of Intense' brand new record, Melancholy. Uh, it came out just a couple weeks ago, actually, really last week at the time of recording, August fifteenth. Uh, Self released uh, record. Um, man, I've I've heard a little bit of buzz about about this band and this record specifically, and I, I kind of put it off for a little bit, and and I'm uh, I'm diving in right now, and I'm. A, I'm a, I'm a believer. Mm. I, I saw her face. And I'm a believer right now. Um, <laughs> so, Shadow of Intent, uh, really uh, solid deathcore band um, that that have with this record, uh, this new record, Melancholy, transcended the genre in my, in my opinion, and have have created this sort of like chugging, churning, epic battle movie score. Um, this album is like super super slick and shiny all the production sort of bells and whistles but it, but it works and it, it's exactly what it needs to sound like uh, I feel um, started out as a studio project between vocalist Ben Dewar and guitarist Chris My- uh, Wiseman uh, I, I believe he joined uh, last record but definitely on this record is uh, drummer Anthony Barone uh, yeah. Long Island boy who is absolutely phenomenal great drummer and um, and what's, what's interesting is they collaborated with uh, Francisco Farini of Flesh God Apocalypse for all the orchestral uh, on this record. Oh, yeah. Um, this is just like phenomenal musicianship um, throughout, uh, a really creative approach to, to a death Course style of writing. Um, and like I said, this, ha- this has a very cinematic feel to it. Uh, this record has a concept of, you know, a sort of like. Which bringing on an earthly plague? Uh, I, I just cannot recommend this enough. After a couple of listens through, overall just a huge a huge sounding album. I put this you know have this band open up for Dimmu Borgir. It's it fits right in there. It kind of has this new Cattle Decap vibe, like from the way they've been going with their like sort of clean
0: he kind of breaks to it. And Yeah, this kind of reminds me of like the old school style Demi Borgier, which I was more into. Like their new stuff got a little too hot Topic-y and Tim Burton influenced. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know when they were doing more of the symphonic shit. Um, I'm totally blank on the name of the album, but anyone who's familiar with the band knows what I mean with the direction change.
3: Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of refreshing because it, it's it's like I'm I'm seeing where you know where I was a huge fan of a uh, of say like Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. You know, Suicide Silence, that like early mid two thousands deathcore, like, and then kind of fell off from what what bands were doing. Like, when second third iterations of that, this is a whole original approach to what's going on. It's elevating that genre, and I, I think it's you know, um, I think it's great, man. I think it's a it's a creative accomplishment for this band. Uh, they're getting a lot of buzz, a lot of praise for this record. I think it's very well deserved, and uh, technically, it's amazing. Um, very few redundancies on this record. It's like kind of a an interesting listen all the way through. Shadow of Intense, Melancholy. If I didn't do it justice
1: with my words, uh, they will do it with the music. It so. kind of, uh, it's reminded me a little bit of, um, see this, like obviously, and like when you say Deathcore, um, right away that it just kind of like, I, I think it's a term that kind of has left me behind in a lot of ways. And I, I don't understand a lot of this this genre. I try, you know, I try to lend myself to it, but <laughs> I'm a little like kind of like more old school with it. I hear this, though. This stands out to me, man. And this, I I might sound a little left-field saying this, but I almost want to listen to this album in its entirety the way you would watch a movie, just from the production value and a lot of the things I hear going on in the background. And I almost approach the listening to this from, like, the way I enjoy uh, Fate's Warning and Queensryche. Mm. Yeah, and,
3: I, I don't think that's that's out of left-field at all. And man. E- even maybe your, your
1: sure. later-era later death, or, or your bands like uh, Atheist or um, uh, Cynic or something, just bands that are kind of like have those ear candy parts and those expansive progressive qualities to the production. I got to say, man, I really do want to spend more time with this. And I didn't say what I just said to disparage deathcore bands or the subgenre. It's just something that coming from my generation and my perspective, it's very hard to weed through and find the... Um, the stuff that's very interesting like this. So thanks for bringing this to my attention. For
3: sure, man. It's coming into its own right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. maturing. It's budding. This is a, a, a
1: great example of that. Yeah, cheers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my new one is uh, somebody familiar, friend of the podcast, uh, Steve Grimmett's Grim Reaper. Uh, as Steve said, uh, he's, they're putting out a new album, At the Gates, it's called. Uh, and it's going to be released uh, November 10th, 2019, coming up in a few months. And they just actually uh, released a single that's coming, uh, that's going to be on this album. Uh, it's on your, your usual digital streaming platforms. It's called Venom. So, um, you know, obviously, if the listeners don't know, we did an entire episode where we interviewed legendary heavy metal vocalist Steve Grimmett of Grim Reaper uh, and um, got his whole story. You can go back and check that out. But, uh, you know, just revisiting that he put out this uh, they put out this new song and I listened to it just really cool heavy metal man it's what steve grim known for it's what he does and it's what i've come to know him to do uh having researched his whole catalog the way i did for that interview Mm -hmm. and uh i i really am interested in this new grim reaper album and i've actually become a fan of your more traditional rock and roll new wave of british heavy metal style metal more so than i was before this you know i never really went outside of your typical iron maiden your grim reaper and your you know your bigger bands and um this is something i want to explore man this is really cool stuff it's it's the melodies are there. The hooks are there. Uh, happy birthday to Steve Grimmett. He turned 60 today. Obviously, it's—you know by the time this episode is uploaded, it'll be a little bit in the future. But uh, he's got the chops. He's got the voice. And having heard his whole story, if you listen to our episode where we interviewed him, uh, to know his whole story and hear this new album that he's made, it's like a triumphant return. And um, we're just really happy for Steve and, and Grim Reaper. And um, we wish them the best of luck with this new album, with this tour. And uh, if you're a fan of your more traditional heavy metal, this is really great music, man. So check it out. Venom, the new single by Steve Grimmett's Grim Reaper. Sick.
3: So solid. Driving very fast.
1: This rock and me. roll Driving man. Driving very fast.
3: Hey, Tom, what do you got for your old record today?
1: Thanks,
0: dude. I was feeling alone.
2: <laughs> so, I'm sorry, dude.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm just over here admiring my old record. Oh, well, we'll oh, get there. We'll, what, we'll what? get to your flex session. entrez as they say. Okay. Well, thank you for asking
0: both of you. you really just <laughs> me. It. Yeah, it's okay. All
1: right, I went straight <laughs> nostalgia on
0: this one. So this is uh, Ablaze My Sorrow, probably my, Sorrow. my least favorite band name for a band I really like. This is their album, The Plague. From 1998 on, No Fashion Records, Swedish label. This is a Swedish band as well. Um, no record, No Fashion had put out uh, a bunch of Dark Funeral and Marduk records, but they uh, they went pear-shaped sometimes in the mid 2000s, and they're not around anymore.
1: I resent that. I'm pear-shaped. <laughs> okay, proceed.
0: So this is the only album that this band did with their vocalist, Frederick Arneson. I've listened to the other albums from this band, but this one is my favorite. It sticks out to me. There's something weird about the riffs here. It sounds like they're all introverted, like they wrote the riffs backwards or something. Um, it, it's cool. There's like Throughout it, you hear this weird... Um, uh, the writing is very melodic and definitely what kind of inspired some metalcore riffs that happened in the in the mid-2000s. Swedish. Like, that that kind of stuff. But just the way they attack the riffs is very original. I've always kind of been drawn to this. They have a few songs that are just, like, really cool shifts between straight notes and triplets. They kind of keep you guessing a little bit. It's moody and melodic, definitely for, like, the Peaceville Records kind of fans or the Gothenburg Swedish, like, more, uh, not easy listening, but more melodic metal stuff. Um, for your inflames kind of fan, but this has some really cool qualities uh, that are very black metal in nature. Especially the
1: vocalist, there's just so much fury behind his voice, and it's the right kind of emotion. Yeah, the vocals almost give this a qu- like that uh, that early metalcore quality to it. You know what I mean? Like it's like it, it, I hear what you mean with the black metal. It's just that screechy tone, but. It reminds me of some of those earlier bands that were doing that stuff too, man. Interesting stuff, man. This is cool.
0: Yeah, this is a good one. I don't really, um, I I haven't really personally talked to anyone else about this band, so I thought it'd be a good one to bring in. You know, maybe yeah. you know them already, maybe you don't, but uh, off yeah. of my off of my
1: radar. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's a
0: good band. I like I said before, I I don't like their name at all. Kind of, you know, ablaze my sorrow. But also, so I, sorry. I will, I will certainly give a pass to anyone who speaks English as a second language, naming their band. <laughs> Another example would be uh, a great German band called Fuck You and Die. Oh, <laughs> we've yeah. gotten
1: some great yeah. band names over there. We'd actually
0: probably sounds so cool to them now
3: yeah to, 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 if you to want to we, we talk
1: about this actually uh you know i keep plugging these episodes but if the listeners want to know they want to know on that first ping episode with paulo <clears throat> we get we went into detail a little bit about um mainly indonesian bands uh na- naming their, their <laughs> band names things that translate very interestingly in english right yeah so, so we talk about that a little bit but yeah, yeah absolutely you're right man and this is uh yeah. It's interesting. The production's very raw, <laughs> hard hitting, and brutal. The melodies are there, and something interesting. Just a, a you know, quick note not to not to draw it out. But you know, we, I was talking about the new wave of British heavy metal, and now I'm kind of like looking at it through different eyes nowadays, and it, it makes me look at Swedish style death metal. Through completely different eyes now, getting that perspective on it getting that that context, man. Inter- interesting to think about like the relationship between Iron Maiden, say, and like Entombed and Dismembered. You know, I think Simon. that's like
3: where uh, that that first wave of like U.S. metalcore came from. It was the combination yeah, of that yeah. Swedish stuff and that and that uh, and, and the harmony stuff of like yeah. Iron Maiden, and new the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The, I love the triplet work in here because it reminds me a lot of like Unearth. You know, yes. like the way. Yeah, and I was, I was like listening to a lot of On Earth when you first showed me this band like nine years ago, and it was like, right. Yeah, I was like, I get this, but I'm not a blaze of my sorrows today. You huh. know, right. I'm trying to do this other thing.
1: I mean, I, but, I, I, yeah. I allegedly blaze my sorrows all the time, so I want you guys <laughs> talking about whoa to remember and to forget.
0: Listen to this weird riffing as our conversation fades out, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And so what's going on?
3: Cool. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, Googling stuff and I uh, came across some blog spots and it reminded me that like, oh, shit, uh, on some blogspot.com in like 2005, 2006, I found the Elysia Demo 2004. Some people call it Elijah. I think that's wrong. I think it's Elysia, like the Elysium Fields or whatnot.
1: Yeah, it checks uh, it out. Yeah.
3: So it's their uh, self-released on CDR um, Demo 04. This is some fun shit. If if you're into early 2000s belligerent hardcore deathcore beatdown, just gonna play a riff, do a two step, do a breakdown, like keep it going. But what's kind of really cool about this band is I feel like they're this weird like almost meeting of California hardcore and East Coast slam. And tell me if tell me uh, you know what you think if you you hear it. But um, these dudes vocals are are tough, fucking (laughs) gnarly. Uh, These guys were in high school at the time. Um, I think mean, they were like Juniors, seniors In high school When this came out And uh it's pretty
0: good For a bunch of kids You know Yeah, no, yeah. Uh,
3: They um, You know it, it sucks They were only around For a couple of albums uh, The first album Being like a conglomeration of, of their demos before And the second one Didn't really do too much But they were coming up Around the time of like Job for a Cowboy And Knights of the Abyss And like Early mm-hmm. Impending Doom And Whitechapel And whatever But uh This band always had like This This like Hardcore toughness To him man Like uh, It was like a more Hardcore animosity That I, that I felt like uh, <laughs> Especially coming from um, Coming from uh, You know That California area But I, I, I love Playing this Like It's just something To listen to When, when you're just like Pissed off And you miss Your like big bold lettered like
1: foil print t-shirts that might have fit too tight you know what I mean but the, uh, the vocal it just reminds me of like a, it's like that drunk jock vocal style dude so this, so this cool. guy I love the vocals dude this is tough this but is crazy I,
3: I won't discount like the songwriting and the musicianship man because yeah. I think this stuff carries and uh <laughs> yeah it's got this death metal vibe to it that a lot of a lot of stuff didn't have around this time even the death course it didn't have like that that slam style kind of sound to it
1: yeah it does sound um, ahead of its time. It, like it sounds like it could have been like from like seven or eight years after it was. You know, like yeah, this is this is pretty aggressive stuff, man. It's pretty pretty raw.
3: So I remember Tom. I don't know if you are at that show, but I saw this band in I don't know, like 2007, I want to say, and maybe you can help me because I was trying to figure out the name of it today. But it was at Tiki Bar out in Shirley. I definitely wasn't there. Tiki Joe's, maybe. I think it Might was Tiki Joe's. Yes,
0: that so, does sound made up, but yeah. I think it was. It Tiki was the Joe's, sweatiest,
3: yes. hottest place, just filled with hay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I <was> love <laughs> like that
3: Bamboo Joe. and stuff like that. And uh, this place was running shows for a little bit. And uh, Elysia came and played and broke pitchers. You know, there was just violence. I know. I know. They also made it to like uh, Fifth Ave Arena and Ron back in the day as well. <laughs> and, all the all, all the hot spots. All right? the hot spots. <laughs> Uh, yeah I miss this band it's a little bit of nostalgia for me you know brings a little tear to my eye I'm gonna wear a flapper and fit it tomorrow this fucking song is really good Elysia Demo 04 check it out if you want
1: Hey, Will, what do you got over there? Uh, I brought the sarcastic Corpse and Decomposition 7-inch, released in 1993. Uh, it was a split release between Rodel Records, a record label based out of Germany, and rottenness Records uh, from Brazil. And this kind of um, references uh, a couple of different things we've already discussed, man. Uh, on our 7-inch vinyl episode, we played, you guys, the uh, Rotting Flesh... Infantacious Monstrosity 7-inch and talked about that a little bit. Classic Brazilian gore grind from the early 90s. And I did mention briefly this band Sarcastic and the label Rottenness Records which was like an old school like uh, gore grind and death metal label. And um, we also talked about uh, the Mastic Scum 7-inch on another episode. Uh, and that was released by uh, this the same label, Rodell Records, that was like the co-releaser of this. So this is like a really extra cult release here. Uh, and this is it's from 93. The band dates back to 1990. This is like I'm not I'm not a, an expert on your Brazilian gore grind history, but this is definitely one of the first bands you're going to find that was playing that that gore grind, grinding gore grind, whatever you want to call it style. Um this is 93. This is from 93. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and the band is from 90. Uh, so you know, gore grind as a genre isn't um, you know really established yet. This is this predates a lot of stuff, and I you know I can't confirm or deny, but they actually have a song called Regurgitate, and that that causes me to wonder if the band Regurgitate might have named themselves after that. That's just that's allegedly that's speculation.
0: I feel like a word like regurgitate. I mean, it could be true, but a word like regurgitate does pop up in the gory. Gore grind vernacular. Mm,
1: fair enough, but it is very traditional for a lot of these bands to name themselves after another, you know, band song or something. But who knows? I don't know. Arguments out. But this is a piece of history right here, man. For for gore grind. Um, going for thirteen bucks on Discogs. Gotta lock my door once this episode uh, gets uploaded. Um, uh, but you know, looking at this man, just like again, like when I talked about that rotting flesh seven inch. Uh, this is just like that photocopied, black, grainy, uh, you know, quality to it. It's what a lot of people are going for now with their production quality and their visuals. Uh, the, the band members, you got, uh, Zier Zier Sarkis on bass and vocals, Elton Hellish on drums and backing vocals, and Marcos Holiness on lead guitars. So at least hmm. one good, one guy was fighting with the, you know, fighting the light on that one. Marcos. Man. Fighting the good fight. Yeah. But yeah, Marcos Holiness, man. He was the holy guy, holy roller. Um... And just before I talk about the music a little bit, I want to read this. You know, it says Rodel Records releases, because you didn't have a website or um, social media or anything like that back in the day. Um, so they released uh, a little, a little like, message. Rodel Records releases. We got the split EP between Necrophilicus and Lucimi. I don't know. There's so many bands I never heard of, and the bands that you have heard of that I'm about to list, it's like, wow. So they were about to release the split EP between Crisian and Harmony Dies. Oh. Um... Or, or no, they had already released the rotting flesh, infantatious monstrosities, like we already talked about. Rot from Brazil, not necessarily a gore grind band, but Rot, the grind band from Brazil. Another thing to get into. They're drowned in restrictions, I guess. EP, and then a bunch of bands. They released Barback, Secret Ingrid, Discarga Violenta, Sarcasm, which I wonder. There's sarcastic and sarcasm. Uh, they were, they were, and then upcoming at that point was Necros. Uh, the Meat Shit Sexual Abuse EP and the Kryshian LP, which had no title at that point. So Kryshian, uh, a lot of, lot of more people might be familiar with Kryshian at this point yeah. in death metal history. So that's interesting to note too, man. And now just talking about this music, it's ugly, not necessarily an easy listen, man. No. um undeveloped kind of kind of bare bones you know not back to basics this was the basics the building blocks of the core grind uh that, but it's it's primitive it's lo-fi if you're into the lo-fi thing this is great for you and the vocals the thing that stands out the most for me sonically on this whole release is the creepy high-pitched goblin vocals that you hear every once in a while like that that was perfect timing <laughs> yeah he heard me these yeah. guys are scary Um, Just made it stand out a little bit, man. I guess I'm thinking that they must have been influenced by Carcass at this point um, somehow. But that that nasally high-pitched... It's so creepy, man. This is like very creepy... Corpse Grind. I don't want to call it Metal of Death because it's, it's very grindy, man, but this is maybe Corpse Grind is the word for Gore Grind that transcends that Metal of Death uh, aura. I don't know. But anyway, I just wanted to give a little brief history lesson on uh, Sarcastic from Brazil and bring this in to share with you guys. And as I said in the beginning of the episode, flex on everyone. Uh, and one more thing that's interesting about this album for the listeners, um, you can go on YouTube and uh, check out you know this obscure old release, but uh, if you're in luck, track down the Macabre Human Mutilation slash Corpse and Decomposition ugh, compilation CD that was released by Mutilation Productions uh, in just 2015. So there was a reissue of this and some other material that Sarcastic released uh, in just 2015 on Mutilation Productions. So good luck tracking that one down, okay? Or you can get this evidence for $13 on Discogs. And I just want to show you guys... Um, i call it evidence. Take, good. take a look uh, at that seven inch over there. For being released in 1993 and being in my possession since about '97, there's not a scratch on it. A little bit of dust, and that just speaks to the tip I, to- I talked about on our vinyl episode about playing it once and dubbing it down onto tape. That one time you play it, and that's how you listen to it going forward. That's how that seven inch is preserved in such good condition. Hmm. So, just that's all. Just wanted to share some stuff real quick, man. So, um, sarcastic from Brazil, classic gore grind band. Thanks to uh, Rob Warden from Cognitive for calling in and talking some shit with us and sharing some stories, man. We really appreciate it, Rob. We really appreciate Cognitive. Um, look for them on tour uh, coming to somewhere near you probably soon, and look for their album Matricide. Matricide. They pronounce it, and I think they say Matricide in uh, Long Island and Matricide, New Jersey. Yeah, I don't leave know. Leave the
3: last S off for yeah. up here. Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Matricide.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, that album's about waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, but no, all, all kidding aside, check out their, uh, all their full links on uh, Unique Leader Records. Uh, check out Cognitive. And check out all this stuff that we recommended, man. Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, we're on all the, the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook. Google it, look it up, man. And uh, what's that phone number once more if you want to leave us a voicemail like the voicemail from Tyler and from Cody from After Earth we played? Why
0: don't you leave a voicemail at 631 837 3274? Tom, I got it perfectly. That's clear at that time. I
3: got yeah, it. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Hey, it's not to say it again. <laughs> if you
0: missed it, rewind.
1: See yeah. you later. Yeah, you do the work this time. Heavy Old Podcast, we're out. Take it easy. One.